disclaimer that there is a mention of suicide in this episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Speak Up Erica podcast. I'm back again with part two of Art as a Healer uh, with Kendra and Rosemary. Uh, hi again. Hey. Hi. <laughs> um, going back to uh, how people reacted when you wrote about sexuality and you're saying that, oh, like how, how did you even come up with this or how did you write about this kind of thing? Um, has there been a time where you uh, released your work and for both you and, and Kendra um, and you've gotten maybe a negative uh, feedback from it or uh, felt that you had to censor your work or... Um, has that ever happened to the both of you? Kendra, did you want to go first? Um, I don't know if I've ever been censored per se, but maybe even I've censored myself in things that I didn't really want to share with certain people. Uh, you always think of like when my mom is going to read this or like, you know, my best friend or my partner, it, it always will come from a different perspective so it always you always have to kind of like censor who you want to read your work um but I've luckily never had anything where I felt the need to really censor myself in terms of my art um but I, I definitely can see why um either you think that it might rub uh, someone the wrong way or mm -hmm. um it might be triggering for someone definitely um but I've been lucky to not be censored by anyone else explicitly at least something that kind of reminds me about um like censoring artwork is like free the nipple because mm. <laughs> <laughs> I know like they're they're creating art and it's an awesome campaign and like mm -hmm. the the messaging behind it but uh other people just have different opinions of what mm they think is acceptable and not. Hmm. Um, How did you feel with your work, Erica? Because your work, unlike my core work, you know, my core work was is has been fiction, right? Yeah. So in fiction, you can disguise things quite well or come up with completely different scenarios, which I have and, and just, you know, used the emotions from my real life ones. But how about you? Because you weren't writing fiction, you were writing about real life experiences that were difficult. Mm. So yeah, um, some of the stories, I did ask for permission if it was okay. And, and then other stories, um, when you're sharing personal life stories and there's of course there's also going to be people that um are part of your life that you're um sharing about in those stories too you kind of you kind of want to protect those people at the same time even though some of the people didn't do such great things in those stories um but so I, I guess in a way, as you were saying, um, Kendra, like I would kind of censor it in a way, but then find a way how to do it creatively and um, what is ap appropriate, I guess, like what can and what can't I include since it was nonfiction. So it was very tricky to kind of play around with that, but also you want to stay true to your story and and uh, like have your story be told or you know have have 
have it kind of out there and also have other people relate to it. So it, yeah, I never thought about that till you asked me just now, Rosary. So it's very tricky. <laughs> Definitely. It is really tricky. Yeah. And I think that because fiction for me is so great is that you can, when people have hurt me, you know, whether that has been unintentionally or intentionally, um, sometimes you can't always work through forgiveness and all of the things you need to work through with the person. In many cases, the person has died or maybe the person has moved on and, and, you know, they're in a new relationship and they're rebuilding their life and they're, they're, they're at a place where they've come to some kind of evolution. And the last thing that you want to do is haul everyone back into, into the dysfunction and the, and the toxic stuff that, that was, was hurtful. Mm -hmm. Or maybe if it's yourself that you hurt yourself in the past, you, don't necessarily want to go back to that former version of yourself and really look at all the, the, the dysfunctional things that you did to hurt yourself. That's not going to have any benefit whatsoever. I mean, well, maybe it would because you're going to, you, you need to work through that kind of thing, maybe in therapy. But the great thing about fiction is that you can say in a way, you can talk to that person that you're trying to work something out with through your characters um, in a different context. And you can work all of that out and you can sort it out in a place where no one really gets hurt or nobody gets dragged back into the very thing that you've worked so hard to, to get out of. Um, and in terms of censorship if you look at all the things that art does to heal whether you know it's catharsis or unburdening or connecting you with other people all of those things for me the censorship of it and whether if people sabotage sabotage it or I've seen it many times over when people are bullied um basically the people who are sabotaging or bullying or making fun of or whatever are, are cauterizing a key flow of healing in general for the artist and for the audience. And I am not very sympathetic to, to, to censorship in that way or bullying. And a great example of this happened to me when I was quite young. I, was, I wasn't thinking about this, it's just your question. So before I wrote, um, I, I say I was quite a musical person. So I would spend hours at the piano and I used to write music and, um, or at least create music, uh, music and lyrics. And I led several choirs. I led a children's choir, then I led an adult's choir. And I also, you know, created or composed music for musical theater for the town where we lived and this was my outlet and I loved it and I will go as far as to say for my age you know if you're thinking 13 14 15 16 I was very good for, for my age I mean now <laughs> I'm not all that good at it but in grade nine music we were given a task where we had to write a song 
And I was so excited about this because this was what I did. This is, I did this out of school and, and I loved it. And we all sat down to perform our pieces as you would in a grade nine high school class. And I did mine and I was so proud of it. I thought the teacher really liked it. And I was, and the bullying that I got for this piece of music was horrendous. So, you know, oh, you couldn't have possibly written that. You stole it. I've heard it on the radio before. Um, you know, you're, you're dishonest. And so what was my reaction to do? I didn't want to put up with the hassle. I never took music again in high school. I, I dropped out of the band. I was in the band in, in, in grade nine. So I, I, did, I played the flute for, for the band, but I, because I just simply didn't want to deal with it. And I kept my musical life out of school. And that's just a real shame because my musical, it meant that in my school life, I just never experienced something that I really loved just because I didn't want to put up with the the torment that I'd experienced around that one event because it really was devastating because when I create created this I'd created it from the heart and if you think how old are you in grade nine I think you're about 14 maybe um so that's an instance where I just shut down um and you see that all the time you know, I've definitely seen it in my children too, you know, where people are creative, um, but then the price, very unfair price for, for shining like a bright light in whatever, in whatever field is, is just, it's just too much stress to take. And so the, the art is, is, is closed down. Um, so this is, the censorship censorship piece for me personally um i've definitely censored myself that has been a huge hurdle for me with my writing because my upbringing was very traditional my father is still a minister or a vicar as we would say in the uk um very uh morally upright um or i do, and, and these are not my terms because i am very fluid in 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 my thinking and if you read my writing you know that i'm very fluid in my thinking um and then of course you know being married and having children and you know when the children were teenagers i didn't want to do anything or write anything that would come back and and they would be bullied for or made fun of and I didn't want to upset people. I didn't want people to fe feel insecure uh, about me and I completely uh, censored myself. And so it's been a lot of personal work to break down all of those barriers and uh, all of the voices, you know, that I've inherited about what it's, what's okay and what's not okay to write the way I do. And I'm now at the point where in terms of my my family or in terms of the people around me, um, I will not bend. I will not bend. In other words, I'm going to write, I'm gonna take the story where it needs to go. I'm going to write. Um, I will never share anybody's personal stories in my writing. 
Um, I can't promise that I will stay clear of the emotions that other people's stories have generated in me, but I will never use other people's stories for my work, at least not close to me. The problem is that when you're writing about life in general, in fiction, anything, you know, suicide, infidelity, um, the, the cauterizing of art, anything, which I do all of those things, you can't possibly not tread on the toes of your loved ones because we're all human and, and these experiences are amongst, amongst all of us. So my rule is I won't share any specifics of, of people's stories and circumstances. And um, I definitely have, have been censored before um, externally. And that is also not, not helpful. Um, and, and, you know, I've had to do a lot of work to, to again, really know where I stand on something and really know who, who I am as a person and, and, and what do I want? Because I'm not living my family members' lives, you know, and yeah, so, so that's my answer. I fought my own censorship, a little bit of external pressure and, uh, you know, early on in my life, you know, in the music, I had that one experience, which, which is very emblematic of many people's experiences. Thank you so much for sharing, Rosemary. Um, I know that sometimes we, when we're writing, it kind of are processing the trauma that we've experienced in the past. So um, I guess when it comes to recovering from these traumatic experience how has art helped you process that trauma um I know if Kendra if you wanted to share it all first uh I'd have to think so go ahead Rosemary okay <laughs> well I was gonna say about Kendra not that you know it's my place but when you're writing your poetry about the physical things that to me I'm I'm assuming you're definitely working your way through physical things because you're writing about them. So that's my, mm -hmm. as from an observer's point of view. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if that's, that's true. I mean, that certainly feels it when I'm reading. Yeah, I, I think even, um, yeah, I'm not even sure if it's all of my health and chronic illness and pain, it's not something that I necessarily have to or want to heal from, but it's something that I definitely want to at least make sense of and kind of understand and um, have a, a tolerable memory of. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe I'll kind of try and rid my brain of something that I don't want to remember again, but sometimes I'll rewrite something in my head or through a poem or through like a review or something where I'm able to work through those emotions and kind of rewrite it even internally so that I have this ability to revisit it if I need to, um, especially for like medical purposes too. You're always having to revisit medical trauma all the time to doctors or nurses. Um, so it's, it's 
really important to be able to access that without feeling that pain again. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I would consider it like healing per se, just more of like making it tolerable for sure. Revisiting it in a different way. Erica, you, you sure. were frozen. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, I, I guess um, for my myself, I don't know if I would. Mm, some of the experiences I wrote were traumatic and then others I would say um, are, are not as traumatic, but it definitely like, for example, a friend passing away because of um, uh, them uh, from suicide um, for something like that, that is still some like me writing about stories like that um still helps me process and like helps me I guess uh like the grief the grief that I went through and um kind of gives me a sense of closure I guess you could say um so there was also an episode I was supposed to uh do with a friend and uh she passed as well um and I I kind of dedicated like an episode to her and that episode kind of uh, helped me process of my friend passing away too. So some is traumatic experiences, but some is just, um, I guess, it, just trying to cope with certain experiences. Yeah. Do you feel the same, Rosemary? Um, I guess your work is, are people pass passing away well one thing this is the girl in this is world. sort of a I'm kind of stepping outside a little bit of what you asked originally but yeah one thing that I love about writing fiction and when I hear voices in my head of the characters that I can bring back elements of people that I've lost through death I can I can hear their voices I can hear so you know, I'm thinking of my British grandparents who were like parents for me. I was really, really close to them. Um, even though there's no characters in the book that are specifically based on them in terms of the voices, their voices, or maybe their way, uh, definitely their house I brought back um, in, in The Girl on Harlow Street, or at least the, the atmosphere and the ambience of that house. And so through fiction, it's a way of of touching again, of experiencing again, what I cannot have in the, you know, off-page, off-page world. In terms of trauma, um, I have been, you know, through a, a degree of, of trauma in my life. And for me, you know, art and the creation of it is extremely helpful in overcoming that so I wanted to say you know that art is a creationary process so if you are going through trauma you're recovering from it probably if you're in the recovery process art is usually something that you can do fairly easily in that you know you don't necessarily have to leave your house it doesn't require a lot of physical exertion but um how do I want to put this um just by engaging in art you are 
creating, you're building, you're not, you're choosing life over death. So, you know, you're, you're building, you're not tearing down, you're creating, you're not destroying, you're, you're engaging, and you're not withdrawing, you know, deeper and deeper into yourself until you implode. The, the act of creating art, whatever that art is, and it could be something quite simple it could be a craft it doesn't necessarily need to be a serial novel or you know a 1500 page novel but in and of itself you're you're building and you're creating and as an adage to that that once you start creating the art itself will probably lead you very gently out into for me at the moment into nature and so it reconnects you with the physical world it reconnects you with the environment it pulls you out of yourself it pulls you out of your head even though you're kind of in your head when when you're writing and then in doing that it then starts to reconnect you with people so that's what's happening to me right now you know that it's it's pulling me I'm building something it's pulling me out into not even pulling but leading guiding guiding me out into the into the environment, into the natural world, and then it's connecting with me with people. And all of that is healing, it's restorative, it's repairing, it's, it's, um, it's rebuilding. And I think that art has that, has that creationary bent to it. When you're creating art, you're, you're choosing to live, you know, and you are choosing to carry on. So that's what I wanted to say about art being creationary. Thank you so much for sharing, Rosemary. It's um, it like I personally, I haven't really thought about art in the ways that we're discussing it tonight. And it's it really is opening my eyes in like how many different ways that art is so like healing to us. Um, I think one of our last questions for the night that I wanted to ask is, uh, since we are, the three of us are all creatives and, you know, we're, we're always creating art in some type of form, but um, do you feel that it being creative helps you tackle other problems in your life? Um, and like, feel like that, that creativity is kind of contagious to problem solve in different ways. Kendra, again, do you want to go first or? I go ahead. Okay. Um, so this is something that I get really, really excited about because I think art, the creation of art becomes a model for actually how to treat ourselves, but a model to, to, to have just how to live our lives in general, or at least how to tackle problems in general. So I did actually write this down before the podcast because I wanted to sort my thoughts out on this. But if you look at the creation of art, so let's take someone who's painting and or I mean it doesn't need to be painting you use that crayon analogy so it could even be a child doing this or, or a grown-up using crayons but you are working with a color or a series of colors and those colors don't work you have you know a gazillion other colors and color combinations to to choose from in your creation you know and and Kendra thinking of you you know if you're a dancer and there's a, a dance a choreography for a dance and, and, and a series of steps aren't working. A series of movements don't feel right. They're not looking right. You can experiment with your body and the steps and movement to create 
what does work and 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 what does feel good for the dancer and for for the audience and the same I could say for musicians if if a set of chords doesn't work if a chord doesn't sound right well then there's an infinite number of sounds and maybe not infinite but many many sounds and and chords and arrangements and you know triads and things that you can get from from the piano I'm thinking of the piano to to create the sound that you want and it's experimental and there's just an endless number of options with writing which of course is you know my art of choice and words are the tool if I'm writing and the words I just I can't find that's not the word I want well there's thousands upon thousands of words to choose from that I can play around with to get this sort of sentence to sound or this line to sound how I want it to sound. And if I can't find words in my own language, well, then I can respectfully and reverently borrow the odd word from another language that does work. It is an infinite in, or infinite, you know, array of possibilities when it comes to getting that sentence or that sound or that rhythm in the in the sentence the way I want. And then I'll go as far as to say that if I don't have the word I want in my own language and I can't find a, a one that I that I could use in another language, I'm always making words up. And if if you read any of my poems. I don't do this too much in the novel, but I am always making words up. There is no rule saying that you don't have, that, that you can't. And remember, this is a creative process and you can be creative with your materials. Like the art itself is creative, but you can also be creative with the materials that you use to, to create the art. And so I make words up and that for me is a creative process. I need a word that, I need to turn a noun into a verb. I need to, you know, get across a rhythm or, or a feeling or an image. I need to turn a, a color, an adjective into a, into a verb. And I know that the reader on the other end is going to know exactly what I'm talking about. And they don't need to go and look that up in a dictionary. And all of a sudden it's this very creative process. But if you think about life for the most part, and again, you know, just for the most part, we tend to come at problems from, from, from a sort of a very linear perspective. And we, don't treat problems we don't come at them with artistic thinking we don't come at them with creative artistic thinking but if we did and i believe that we should then you have many many options that you can that you can go to you don't have to use one color you don't have to use one move you don't have to use one word you can look perhaps at what another cultural or ethnic group is doing that is working really well and then respectfully and reverently, I, I don't wanna say take, but adopt. And again, respectfully what, what that group of people is doing to make it work 
perhaps for you. And if things aren't working, just like art, make, start experimenting, start making things up, start coming up with solutions, start. So I do actually look at problems in life the way I would look a little bit at a sentence that I'm trying to work with. If I can't find what I'm looking for with the standard set of words, I'm gonna start to look at different options. I may, may then turn to Spanish, which is my other language and slip the odd Spanish word in that people would recognize. And if you think about borrowing from other languages, that's actually really great if you do it sparingly because your readers in your language in the process, you're gonna learn another word that they, that they didn't know, right? So, so I guess for me, this, um, how did we say it? The, uh, for problem solving, um, that I think that if we come at our problems with artistic, the same artistic thinking that we use when we're creating art, that we would just be so much fuller and so much more abundant in our materials and our resources when, when it comes to tackling problems, other problems, you know, that, that don't have anything to do with a piece of art we're creating. Because if you're, it's like a modus operandi. So if you operate in, in one field a certain way, chances are that's going to that way of thinking that way of being is going to spill over to to the other areas of your of your life for for the better hopefully when it comes to artistic and creative thinking for sure I was just thinking of there's no way um everything is as like clean cut as just like sticking with one language or one form of art you know everything is interdisciplinary if you're looking at it for problem solving, or if you're even using different languages in writing in English, there's always a crossover with um, words that derive from another language, or like there's always some sort of intersection with another form of art, or the same art, but in a different mode, like in a different language, or in a different um a different key if you're writing a, a song um there's always something that you can always borrow or something that can help you in the way that you wouldn't have access to if you were just going with it with that one straight clear-cut only this one art form and I think problem solving is definitely an art form that you get with trial and error and seeing what you can use from different mediums Absolutely. And another thing that I'm thinking while you're saying that is that another healing quality of art is that usually the creation of it is multisensory. So if you are very in your head and if you are, you know, sort of lost in in a certain type of thinking, which is which is unhealthy for you, the act of creating art engages multiple senses. So I was thinking, well, in dance and, and, and maybe culinary arts, you can see how it would um, work with, with many senses. So I challenged myself to say, well, how does this work with writing? Because writing seems at, on the outset or seems at the outset to be a very solitary in your head form of art. 
but if you start to rethink that think about writing well writing even if you're you're not using a pen and paper you're at your keyboard it's very tactile and you are you know you're touching those keys all the time so your hands are always active when you're writing for me because i write to music and i also write to sound depending on on where i am in my novel so if i'm in a victorian street right now on the internet you can you can hear horses you know clopping down cobbled streets and so or i write to rain and so for me then we now have the tactile but we've also got the auditory nature of writing for me then if you think the author is experiencing all of these emotions and the emotions are going to have a physical effect on the author's body so the author cries the author's stomach muscle muscles tighten while they're laughing um i say this with a little bit of a wink but if they're writing explicit scenes then you know their body's probably reacting in a in a different way but it's a very physical you know it's a very physical experience once you bring the emotions into it so then i'm thinking okay well we've got auditory we've got tactile We've got the physical reaction of the human body with smell. I don't use that one too much, but I have been known to have aromatherapy going if I want to um, elicit a certain smell. So in my novel, bergamot uh, oil is used. And so I looked high and low so that I could find that for the infuser so that I could have that smell in the room while I was you know, writing certain scenes. And then there's the sixth sense. And that to me is the most important sense or one of them in healing, because that is, you know, the spiritual uh, part of, of healing. And so when you're writing, if you are in the zone and if you're channeling the emotions and you're letting all of that come to you and you're in this other place, which is almost very out of body while you're in body, then you have that in there as well. So writing, as heady as it may seem at a first glance is actually engaging multiple senses and all the time that those senses are being engaged you are not just lost in your uh, traumatizing or, or reliving your traumatizing thoughts and and lost in in that the multi-sensory nature of writing it's like all those things are like threads and they're kind of softly pulling you, you know, pulling you out of, of those, um, of those traumatic thoughts that are, that are sort of keeping you, holding you back. And I say that with experience. So that's not me just, you know, philosophizing on something that I've never gone through myself. I love that idea of going back to when you said, um, I, I'm kind of thinking now whenever I have a problem, I can kind of look at a crayon box as an analogy and kind of know that there are other solutions there. Like I can use the green color to solve X, Y problem in my life or the black if I needed that instead. And then I was also thinking when you were both chatting about 
um, adopting from different cultures, uh, like fusion foods. And like how I've, I went to one recently and I had like a butter chicken poutine and that like that in itself is a creation. And um, I'm sure someone was creatively problem solving trying to, when they created that food and yeah, it, it's, it's pretty cool to kind of think about it in that way, what, what you both described. So well, the it's, English, yeah, I was going to say the English language is a fusion. It's an amalgamation. And Kendra, you were saying this before. So things that we assume and we just take for granted are not a mix. Well, that, well, they are, you know, if you think of, if you've studied English, you will have studied Old English, and then you will have studied Middle, you know, Middle English. And, and uh, you'll realize that there's Latin in there. There's, uh, you know, Ger German worked in in fact in in one of the poems I wrote maybe last week I used the expression Bonhaus which is excuse me my German is terrible pronunciation but that's the old English word for the human body and it means bone house and I always loved that you know bone bone house it's because that's what we are and it really draws your attention to the scaffolding of of the human body um and then just quickly about the crayons in 216 I think it was 216 when I had these two surgeries and I was very you know I was just very ill for a long time and again in bed and back then I I wasn't on uh social media in the way that that I am now um and again, I, I feel a little sheepish about this and maybe I shouldn't, but I, I used crayons all the time. I, I was cartooning my illness. So I have journals, these journals, and I would cartoon, you know, my visit to the hospital. I'd cartoon myself, you know, coming out of surgery. And then I do that in sort of a fine line black marker. And then I would just go crazy with the crayons, all colors and, and it, Again, I think that it goes back to this thing. It's it's just the colors, the frivolity in air quotes, because it's not frivolity, but all those colors were really distracting to me. It was very tactile to just, you know, use those crayons on, on a piece of paper. Also for me, a sense of humor because I was using humor to cope with, I don't know if anyone else felt, found my cartoons very funny, um, but I found them funny. And, you know, I would sit and, and color in, in some ways in a very childish way, but uh, it certainly helped me through a very dark physical, you know, with physical ailments or physical surgical kind of things. Yeah, th thank you so much for sharing, Rosemary, and thank you as well, Kendra. Um, I really do appreciate both of you sharing all your thoughts, and uh, especially from a creative perspective, and um, both being writers and just being vulnerable to sharing your own experiences about art and about healing, because I know it's it's not really easy doing these podcasts and kind of sharing like bits of your life and stuff. It To me, it, I, even though I've been doing this for almost two years now, I get scared every single time. So I, I really do appreciate both of you being here and, and chatting with me. I was um, a little more nervous this time, to be honest. You because, too? Yeah. Yeah, because last time you were asking me, you know, strictly about 
the novel and of course we're talking about fiction um and even the things I'm posting on LinkedIn they're you know I'm not going into great detail into into my life and so I was a little bit nervous about coming on here and yeah and talking freely but um that's okay I think it's important that we do talk and um I think it's really important to get the message out that we've all used art as part of our processes or Mm -hmm. part of our coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Um, I also wanted to say that art can be very celebratory. It doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily have to come out of of pain. I mean, it can Mm -hmm. come out of glee and celebration and all of these wonderful things. Um, but of course, the nature of this talk is mm-hmm. is having it to to help us, uh, you know, over overcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you feel nervous as well, Kendra? <laughs> oh, of course. But like, yeah. it's. I think it is just like you're sharing this bit of yourself with everyone, and yeah, um, yeah, it feels vulnerable. But um, you make it very easy to just chat and like feel like it's a regular chat on zoom yeah <laughs> it might feel a little different in yeah, person definitely. but you know yeah, yeah it feels like catching up with friends I know definitely yeah was there um now that we're ending off the episode um I would love to to share any bits of like um of your work do you want uh do you have any links that you want to share or any um uh, pieces of art that you're currently creating that you would like to share before we end off I think Rosemary would you want to share a bit about your your YouTube channel yeah sure so yeah for me um this main work of mine the girl on Harlow Street is on Patreon and and so that is the the subscription-based platform where if you sign up for it you get an episode a week if you sign up now or anytime you sign up you're immediately have access to the whole thing since the beginning of time um, but then of course you'll be following along and that's going to be a fairly long run I, I think it's going to take another year at least for for that to run its course and uh, so that's on patreon and then um, the things that are free, you know, that that aren't, um, you know, on any subscription-based plan are on YouTube. I've just started the Mind of the Writer uh, channel and still really early days. I think at this point I have 18 subscribers. So, Ooh. you know, I'm, I'm just getting started. Um, and that is a combination of graphic uh, videos not graphic is it explicit, but graphic uh, using images that a uh, videographer that I'm working with, uh, Matthew, is putting together for me and alternating with me chit-chatting in front of the camera. And then, um, and that's all on the psychology of writing. And then I've, in a way, un- not intentionally, but it just seems that I am doing these daily video, photo, uh, poetry posts on on LinkedIn, and people are telling me that they're fairly therapeutic. Um, This is all a a nice surprise. Uh, I'm, I don't want to say I'm enjoying it, but I, but I am enjoying it. It's it's just really great. And if, um, if you want to follow along, 
uh, that that's another place where you can you can find me. Awesome. Thanks, Rosemary. I'll, I'll definitely have all of these um, links in the podcast notes as well in the podcast description. Um, and Kendra, did you want to share anything, any pieces of work that you have coming up that we, we can follow <laughs> or support you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely want you to check out The Girl on Harlow because it's also been a few years of my editing. I think it's been two years now. Yeah. Um, so please do check it out. Um, and also, I guess p- if people are interested, I have a website too where I post my most recent writings slash performances so people can find stuff there. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Kendra. I'll, I'll link that too if that's okay in, in the yeah. notes as well. Yeah. And what about you, Erica? Oh, sure. Yeah, I guess I could share mine too. Um, uh, I guess uh, to to listen to the podcast, feel free. We have a I interviewed a handful of guests and also have some solo episodes if you feel like listening. I know Kendra, you recently listened to a couple of them too, so I'm happy you're able to to relate. Uh, and then for locals fest, we're, we've just been doing uh, like reels and TikToks of locals around the area. So if you have any, whoever is listening, any locals in mind that um, are awesome and I would love to share them as well. So yeah, thanks for asking as well. I never, as a host and like uh, doing the podcast, I never think about sharing my own stuff, (laughs) but awesome. Thank you so much again, Kendra and Rosemary. Um, I had so much fun talking with you both and we'll see you two again next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.